The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. With a very important guest and a very important topic today, you could say it's life life or death, literally. Um, My guest is, uh, it's actually been about a year um, to the day that I had her on before, uh, in uh, it was October or November of 2010, and I'd, I'd like to think that um, we single-handedly, her name is Dr. Barbara Hales, and I'd like to think, Barbara, that we single-handedly um, were the ones who influenced the uh, election uh, a year ago, where we talked about how we need, how the Obamacare is the most horrendous thing that's could hit or had started to hit um, America and how people have to vote in congressmen who will um, vote against that, will try to do something to repeal that, and so on. And um, we did have a resounding victory that I, I, I like to delude myself into thinking was because of us and Voice America <laughs> and this radio show and so on. Voice America, who doesn't take responsibility for what I said about Obamacare, I have to point out. But nonetheless, I think uh, I like to live in that uh, uh, feeling or fantasy or, or belief that, that we did, in fact, influence that. Well, I agree with you, Carol. I, I think that you played a pivotal role. <laughs> well, you were the one who was giving all the information, but I, I guess I was giving all the um, the outrage. <laughs> so together, well, actually, quite recently, we've borne the fruit of last year's victory because, as you recall, last year uh, Berwick was um, appointed as a recess head of CMS, which is the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid. There's no secret that his philosophy is that we should be nationalized health care the way it is formulated in Great Britain. Uh, by recess appointment, that means that the president waits until Congress goes on vacation. In this case, it was July 4th weekend, um, whereupon he um, appoints a person uh, to Congress or to head a particular um, you know, chairmanship of a department without ever getting approval or questioning by the uh, House and Senate committee. Yes. Uh, however, uh, now that the year has been up and he would actually have to be appointed, uh, the Senate uh, resoundedly uh, said no. So a new person has been uh, appointed, and she is quite experienced as both um, a practicing nurse and a 
administrator for a hospital, so she knows the skinny on what healthcare is all about, and hopefully that is going to be reflected in healthcare moving forward. Huh. Well, I hope so, but I must tell you that it does make me a little nervous to hear that it's a nurse instead of a physician. Well, you know, the nurses in the trenches see what's going on as well. I don't think that they have their own agenda. Well, I don't, well, let, let me back up a little bit because I, I want to give you a more proper introduction. Um, Barbara Hales is obviously a physician. She's been a um, uh, for many years. She's um, was an OBGYN, is an OBGYN, and she has now devoted herself um, because of feeling passionate about what is happening to our medical, uh, the state of our of medicine in this country. Um, she has devoted herself to trying to warn people and help people. Her new book, it is just fresh and new. <laughs> it's called Power to the Patient, the Medical Strategist. And she is uh, essentially, I love the cover, Barbara. It's two hands, you know, a small hand and a big hand. And it fits because Barbara takes your hand and helps you figure out how to survive and thrive in this morass that is ever-changing and that is um, still being called our healthcare system. Um, you know, just to, not to get off the point too much, but, you know, one of the problems, certainly as a psychiatrist, maybe I'm more sensitive to this issue, um, although I guess, it, no, it really is affecting doctors of all specialties, but, um, you know, the, the one of the ways that the government has and insurance companies have been trying to cut down on costs um, is to give patients, have patients be treated by people who have a lower level of education. Now, this is certainly not to demean nurses or any other, you know, uh, professionals in the medical field who aren't doctors, but um, at the same time, I can tell you, uh, because you know that I also am a, an expert witness, and I can tell you that over the last 10 years, there has been this increase in um, malpractice cases or cases against hospitals and clinics and different medical facilities because of the fact that um, nurses or um, MFCCs or, you know, psych techs are doing the job of psychiatrists or even, you know, psychiatrists seeing patients once a month, which of course is abhorrent um, and dangerous, obviously, uh, because of patients winding up killing people and ki- killing themselves because of not getting the proper care. So I'm very sensitive to this whole concept of trying to, um, you know, have patients see people who cost less uh, because of having less years of education and so on. And so it, it, that, I mean, surely you've seen that too, that that is a dangerous trend. I don't know anything about this new woman who's been appointed. I'm not talking about her personally, but it just makes me a little concerned that obviously she wouldn't, see very much wrong with some of these um, treatments being uh, done by nurses. Interestingly, 26 states in this country now allow nurse practitioners to work totally independently of any physician contact or doctors looking over their shoulders to see what the treatment is or what is on the chart. They have independent privileges in terms of writing prescriptions. They can now have their own practice, see patients, and uh, treat them the way they feel 
um, that they should be treated without ever actually seeing a physician. While nurses do get excellent training, they only receive 10% of the training that a physician uh, gets during the time of their education. Because of this, while a nurse practitioner may be quite capable of basic conditions or conditions that are repetitive for that nurse, um, the nurse is going to undoubtedly miss the nuances of more um, subtle changes indicating uh, complications or more serious medical conditions. Mm-hmm. Because of the shortage of physicians in various areas, especially rural areas, which is going to uh, vastly continue over the next 10 years, we are going to uh, see a lot of problems in that arena. Yes, you know, that that is, I mean, this is all connected because so many people who would have gone on to become physicians are so discouraged now because they see the state of medicine. They see that doctors aren't happy um, with all of the extra bureaucracy that's being uh, put upon them and with, with the threat of Obamacare and with all these other things, um, you know, uh, that we're seeing coming closer and closer in where where doctors were able to um, spend a lot of time with their patients, you know, even go on on home visits um, sometime in, in quaint pastimes and so on. Doctors aren't allowed because of all the the new restrictions in, in terms of, you know, insurance companies and, as I said, the, the paperwork and everything else and limits. This is one of the things I want to get into with you, the rationing of medicine. Do you know, I don't know how many years ago it was, several years ago, I had a guest on um, who, and we were talking about something in the news, and the guest um, was a, was a, was in medicine um, in a, and did a lot of research on the East Coast, research in, ter- in terms of the field of medicine. And um, he was saying that what, what people were saying on the East Coast, you know, researchers into this, were saying that there was going to be rationing of care. And I remember, now again, this was quite some number of years ago, but I remember um, thinking that he was talking about something from the Twilight Zone. Oh, no, this could never happen. What? And actually, at the time, um, he was saying that people were, I guess it was the beginnings of Obamacare, you know, that people were already in universities figuring out um, how to cut costs in medicine, which we've now, you know, now X number of years later, we see the fruit of this, where people really are considering doing those kinds of things. I mean, the government is considering doing those kinds of things, and that's, that is incredibly scary. So tell us about that. You're right, Carol. Today, our healthcare system has compromised our faith in our doctors. They're made to be middlemen, forced to see as many patients as they can, and forced to fill quotas for treatments and profit. They're torn between the scientific foundation of their profession and the emerging evidence that holistic medicine is where it's at, but they're compromised by the drug industry and managed care systems, and they're forced to, to treat patients like commodities rather than people. You know, um, very often nowadays with uh, doctors having been mandated to become digitalized with their records and to have meaningful use with electronic medical systems, patients are complaining that they're only getting, quote, 
three minutes of quality FaceTime with their physician or that they're seeing more of the top of the doctor's head as the doctor yes. leans over and enters information yes. into the computer than the face and that doctors are more concerned with the electronic records than they are with patients as people. Unfortunately, because of the way the electronic medical systems are um, being programmed, um, treatment options are going to be offered on the basis of economics as opposed to what might actually um, help the patient more. So we're entering really scary times. Healthcare is undergoing a radical transformation now, Carol. The healthcare system as we know it is in total economic collapse. Medical institutions are imploding and the market forces are dragging conventional medicine kicking and screaming into a new perspective of healthcare. Well, I mean, you know, when you go into the hospital, for example, or even in just in a doctor's office, um, you can tell that there's you know, that the doctor has these costs, like what can he offer the patient, you know, what, what choices are there, and, and, and money, <laughs> the cost of, this, of the treatments, um, seem to be one of the top things, if not the top thing, on the doctor's mind. It's interesting, though, because um, I, I find that older doctors, doctors, you know, maybe the doctors who once did house calls, or maybe the doctors who at least were grounded more into this... Um, you know, into this this concept of spending more time with the patient and and how important that is, and and not entering things into the computer and all of that. It, it seems to be that that you they are more willing to uh, at least up to now until until their hands are totally everyone's hands are tied, but um, but they do seem a little bit more willing to to offer more um, options, you know, or, or they think less in terms of money and more in terms of what's best for the patient. Have you, have you found that? I have found that to be the case. Unfortunately, all of these physicians are going to wind up retiring yes. early with few dedicated physicians to take their place. Yes. According to the way the electronic health record systems are going to be programmed is that if you actually offer patient treatments that differ from the suggestions that are displayed in the programs themselves, you as a physician are going to have to justify why you're veering away from the the, uh, suggested treatment options. As far as who the one was that actually recommended the treatment option, I'm not so sure whether it was a committee um, based with businessmen or whether it was healthcare personnel. Mm-hmm. That still remains to be seen. But we can see that treating the whole person and the personal factors that play a part in health to really achieve wellness is um, you know, getting struck down at the moment, which is you know, truly unfortunate. But, you know, there's a growing trend for people to take their health into their own hands. They're distrustful of a pharmaceutical-driven system. They're distrustful of government positions and recommendations that have proven false over time. They're not waiting to be told what's right for them anymore. They're finding it out for themselves. Interestingly, 8 in 10 Americans now use the Internet to look up health information. 
according to a Pew, uh, Pew uh, Investigations, with the focus increasingly shifting from searching for symptoms and specific conditions to growing interest in diet, fitness, experimental treatments, particular doctors and hospitals, and drug and health insurance information. The thing that's a little bit worrisome no, today, wait, though, wait, we'll get to, we'll, is, we do as need you to take know, break, we'll anybody could enter information on their website or other websites wait, on the Barbara, computer. To, so well, it's going to be up to the patient who does not have a full medical background to sift through all of the information that's out there and decide what's accurate and what's not. Barbara? We need to take a break now. We'll, we'll, when we come back, we will jump right back into where you were. Um, of course, that's where your book fits in. It's called The Power to the Patient, Power to the Patient, The Medical Strategist, and that's exactly what Dr. Barbara Hales is, helping you try to navigate through this increasingly complex system. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, and we'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Dr. Barbara Hales. She is not only a wise doctor, one of the ones who uh, was really very, was, is uh, really very caring, but who has now dedicated herself to be caring in a different way by writing uh, a new book that is called Power to the Patient, The Medical Strategist, because she is passionate about uh, helping you Find your way through the ever-changing and ever more confusing medical landscape, and um, 
you know, you were saying before the break how um, one positive aspect of this myth <laughs> is that patients are are um, looking more in looking into how they can take care of themselves better in a preventative way. One thing I wanted to go back to, we started talking about rationing health care, and one of the 1984 or, uh, you know, one of the Twilight Zone type um, aspects of all of this, of, of rationing of care, is who gets to decide who lives and who dies, who's worth trying to save, um, and who is who is not? Who gets you know the, the full choice of options, and who just gets the cheaper ones because they're not worth saving? Well, that is an interesting uh, question and a very ethical one. This stems from um, a statement where statisticians went back and looked at where our insurance and Medicare dollars have been spent. And interestingly, more than one-third of all Medicare dollars on in a patient have been spent within the last six months of a patient's life, which is one of the facts, I believe, that has prompted the statement that the Obama administration came out with where it is okay to consider um, withdrawing or refusing all medications and wanting to call it quits and die sooner as opposed to extraordinary means. Now, when Dr. Kaborkian, as you recall, helped out with assisted suicides for patients who were never going to get better, he was totally vilified and, in fact, thrown in jail for the last six months of his life. And yet, here, the administration is saying, you know, that might not have been such a bad idea. Look at how many um, medical uh, dollars that we will be saving by doing that. Of course, the community was in an uproar because they viewed that as, um, you know, like a killing machine by the government to uh, encourage people to want to uh, end it all, as opposed to their uh, just wanting physicians to discuss the situation with the patients to allow them to make a more educated decision. Yes, you know, nowadays when you go into the hospital, it's it's so pushed in your face. Do you have an advanced directive? Um, you know, there they, it is still. I mean, it's 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 not quite. Um, it's not. <laughs> do you want a Dr. Kavorkian clone to come into your room? It's not quite that obvious. But um, I mean, essentially, they want to make sure. You know, it, not, it didn't used to be that way. That that. Um, that people, I mean, or, or it would be just for people who really did seem, um, to be, to be dying already, you know, not necessarily, uh, someone who could be, who could be treated. And now it's like, that's one of the first things that I think the people are told at the front desk to make sure that each patient has an advanced directive so that, so that somebody can pull the plug. What I would recommend is for people, while they're not sick at all, while they're totally healthy, to sit down and really analyze where their desires and thought processes are on this issue. Once they have that in mind, what they should do is to pick out an advocate for themselves, uh, a friend or a relative, and sit down and let your desires and thoughts on this issue be known.
you know, not everybody wants to go through extraordinary means, but by the same token, there are people that want every effort taken. So this should all be discussed while you're still healthy so that you know that your decision is going to be carried through at a time when your health is so compromised that that choice is no longer yours to make. Yes, absolutely. Um, You know, of course, part of the problem is that a lot of people get depressed um, when they're sick, and they may think that um, they would like... You know, if they don't, I'm talking about if they don't do it now, like what you were suggesting when they're healthy and making a more rational decision. But, you know, if someone has um, a painful illness, it doesn't have to be terminal, but just something that gives them a lot of pain um, or a or a cancer or something that they think is terminal or um, some other, there are lots of all other kinds of disorders that, that get people depressed. And so they might be tempted to choose uh, to end it all, but if they if they received an antidepressant and psychotherapy, <laughs> they they would see that there is light at the end of the tunnel, and that there are still ways to make them have less pain or to make them to give them a better chance of of still surviving whatever the illness is. And so that's the tricky part that that um, a lot of times you know that, that the government can capitalize on the fact that there is this tendency. That, or even just being in the hospital can be depressing, and the government is is capitalizing on that fact to catch people when they're in a vulnerable position, so that they say, "Yeah, all right, let's. I I want to get out of here." You're so right, Carol, and that is why uh, one of the st- steps that you could take to really empower yourself is not to wait until you're in that position, because it is very difficult or impossible to make a, the proper decision when you are in severe pain uh, or whether you are suffering from the intensity of depression, at that point, the only thing really you could think of is trying to get rid of that pain or depression, and the decision that you make accordingly might not be one that you would ordinarily make. Yes. So, you know, sit down and decide what you want now while you're still healthy and have some, have an advocate represent you who knows how you feel so that uh, in the end you're not really put in the position of having that pressure when you really can't think appropriately. Yes, absolutely. Now, you were talking about um, the physicians with their head down <laughs> and their bald spot showing. You didn't mention the bald spot. <laughs> I added that. Um, But with their head into the computer, instead of looking at you, the patient, when they're talking to you for their three minutes or your three minutes, um, you know, and they're typing everything into their laptop. Um, One of the things that besides, you know, not getting the proper attention and not getting the the enough of clinical, not only emotional attention, you know, care, feeling that your doctor really cares about you and your health, but also um, the exam, the clinical exam, not getting a thorough enough exam. Um, but one of the other things that really I think is horrendous is the privacy issue. We've already seen um, where, of course, hackers hack into all kinds of sites. And, um, I, I mean, what does this mean as far as what can we do, if anything, to assure, assure the privacy of these records? Well, Everybody thinks of War Games, the movie with, um, 
no, the Pentagon uh, computer being hacked, and you hear all the time about how computer systems have been compromised. But the fact of the matter is, when you think about it, paper records in doctors' offices are not really secure either, probably less so, because if you go to a doctor's office and it's just paper records, you have to remember that not only the doctor is privy to those records, anything that is um, that needs to be communicated to specialists or referral doctors are going to have the records faxed. Those faxed records are going to be seen by the receptionist, by the office staff, by the nurses, as well as the other physicians. And in the original office, in addition to the physician, the nurses are seeing it, the clerks who are filing the records are seeing it. Well, okay, Anyone of which could capitalize the... on information that they see because they know exactly whose record this belongs to. On the other hand, if you had a um, digitalized record that you were in control of, um, none of your um, inform- direct information is put in there that identifies that chart with you. The information is put in with a username of your choice, a password of your choice, no social security number, and no real name, so that although information might be obtained, they would not be able to direct it to you personally. In addition to that, information that's put on the computer, if it is patient-controlled or patient-generated, means that the patient is the one that gets to decide who it is that sees those records, or if she is going to share that information with a physician, which physician she's going to allow to see it. Okay, let, so I need to stop. in some I... respects, when it is generated by the patients themselves, um, it is actually more secure than well, the paper versions that you find in the doctor's offices. All right. Well, when we come back, we can we can discuss that some more because I feel really, I mean, I, I I'm sure I I understand what you're saying, but. But there are lots of slip-ups that can happen with, with computers, too, and you're putting that into the Internet. But anyway, we have to take a break right now. I'm so sorry. Um, my guest again is Dr. Barbara Hales, her book. And I'll tell you what you can, um, at the end of the uh, show, I will give you information about where you can get it and what you will get as special bonus gifts at this point because it is new. Um, my guest is Dr. Barbara Hales, and her book, again, is called Power to the Patient, the Medical Strategist. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. 
www.drcarol.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Dr. Barbara Hales. She is the author of Power to the Patient, the Medical Strategist, helping you to figure out how to survive in uh, what's coming our way, what's already start, has already started to come our way in terms of uh, health care that really is not, um, is not uh, taking the patient's life and, and health really into consideration. And, you know, I think you made a, an, an important point the last time you were on, which was um, that the the people in Congress who, or, well, the president certainly, and the people in the government who, who voted all of, on all of this, um, they're not, they're not going to have the same kind of restrictions, of course, as there will be for everyone else. This is very frightening, and not only in healthcare, but in every aspect of our life, including business, that they have placed congressmen uh, above the law. And in truth of the, in truth of matter, we will never have equitable healthcare, and the healthcare reform will never be done properly until congressmen share the same healthcare that that they are legislating for us. When they have to have the same health care that we do, you know that they will be voting for it in a, in a fair and uh, more efficient manner. Yes, absolutely. There's not going to be any age cutoffs for those old congressmen. <laughs> they wouldn't, they, they'd want to make sure that they fit under... <laughs> Under the age where they can uh, get every every um, where everything all the stops are pulled out so that they can uh, get all the treatment that they want. Um, I think the biggest clue was when President Obama first presented and rolled out his plan for the health care reform on TV. He uh, mentioned or alluded to what the salient features were. And when asked about his health care by the reporter, he turned and, in full view of the camera, said, you know, this issue isn't about me. I have excellent care. I will always have excellent care. The issue is about you. Huh. God. Uh, <laughs> it, it really... Well, tell us, um, you also talk in the book about how your medical records may brand you forever. Well, the, the thing is, if you are the one that's in charge of the entries that get put in, then you can also go in and alter the system so that if there are things in the record that you really don't want to be visible, you can eliminate those or put them in a separate section 
that only are shared with those professionals that you would like to glean that information for in order to get the appropriate uh, care moving but, forward. But where is this? I've never seen this where patients can have can have input into what gets put into their medical records. Where is this supposed to be? In your doctor's office? Well, what I'm alluding to is personal health records. Oh, uh-huh. On, on the personal health records, you answer questions from 50, more than 15 um, categories, putting in salient features. Not only are you putting in all of your family history, but you're putting in allergies, and when you're putting in allergies, you're not just listing the medications or the allergens that you've been exposed to and are sensitive to, you're actually writing the dates that you first had the symptoms, what the symptoms were, what the actual uh, treatments were. So, you know, it's quite in-depth. In addition to that, you are putting down your past medical history, and so... When you go to a doctor's office, this accomplishes two things. First of all, the doctor doesn't have to ask you these same questions that you've been asked ad infinitum in the past, and I'm sure you know what I mean. Every time you go to a doctor's office, they ask you to spout the same information. But when you go, if you do have a significant medical history, who remembers when you had a particular surgery, and can you remember all the surgeries at the drop of a hat? And is that going, relaying all that information is only going to be eating into the time of your visit. If you get this all where the doctor's office can get that information and have it integrated with their computer system before you even go to the office, then that's behind you. You can move forward and spend the time doing the current care uh, whereas you're not just giving the information again and again and again. Plus, when you're putting information into the system, you're not doing it under a stressful, you know, environment. So you're, you're talking about to... like private um, company. Are you talking about private healthcare companies? That where where what what did you mean by this? Well, there are many different types of personal health records that are out there, and so there are some questions that you need to ask yourself in choosing which one is the best for you. First of all, you need to look at the content. Will the product provide a complete history? Will information be automatically added from doctor's offices, insurance companies, employers? If the information is automatically added, is the transfer secure? And am I able as a patient to add correct and delete information? Next thing you want to look at is the ownership of the site. Some of the the insurance companies now offer PHRs, but those PHRs that are given out by the insurance companies are actually owned by the insurance company so that if you transfer insurance or you transfer jobs, the PHR may not move with you. So what you need to do, you need to ask, is um, who has ownership or sharing rights of information as, as a patient? Can your information be sold? Can your information not be shared? Can you specify that? 
Will your information determine eligibility for employment or insurance coverage moving forward? That's the thing. I mean, that's what I was thinking of. Do you really want to put all of that out there when insurance companies are getting more and more excited about cutting people off? I mean, I know I guess part of the Obamacare was or is, uh, I mean, there was the issue of whether people will be covered for pre-existing problems. Um, But, I mean, how much do you really want out there that can be used against you? Especially well, you if know, there's going to well, be rationing. rationing. Yeah, but here's the thing, Carol, is that um, we have moved forward from just writing down static information. We've gone to the next I generation. Where it's, <laughs> I'm stuck at the writing down static information stage. <laughs> well, the thing is now it's become interactive so that when you give information, it gives information back to you. So that, for instance, let's say you suffer from migraine headaches, for instance. What you put down is how the intensity was, what time of day the intensity was, how frequent you had the headache. And the, the, what happens is that information reports back to you. You get a chart with um, cycles on it, and it shows you exactly where you stand. It becomes predictive. So instead of having to take, you know, that aspirin every four hours, if you knew that at 2 o'clock you were going to have that headache, you wouldn't have to take the aspirin all day waiting for a cure. You could just pop it at 1.30 for, for that relief. So it's, you know, starting to help you. Or there are many apps that you can now download in various aspects of health where you track your calories, where it tells you what foods you can um, eat to maintain your diet when you go out to restaurants or how many calories you've burnt when you're doing particular exercises. Now, it's not just a question of recording. It's now gone to the next generation where it's actually helping you out. Yes, well, that I think is valuable, absolutely. But, um, you know, it is true, though, getting back to what we were talking about earlier, that I think with it, it, it's it's easy and and um, appropriate to be somewhat mistrustful of all of these things because because it is like the government and the insurance companies are 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 uh, enemies as opposed to um, trying to help you in in California, for example, Blue Cross. There's now a lawsuit against them, a class action suit, uh, fortunately, but they have been um, raising their rates at in alarming speeds. And um, so now there's, there's a lawsuit against them because, um, because they've been not only raising their rates so quickly and, and without seeming rhyme or reason other than that they want to make more money, um, but they also keep changing the coverage. So the lawsuit, it talks about how patients can't, um, don't really know what they're paying for. I mean, don't know what their insurance is going to be covering from month to month. And well, that's um, definitely worrisome. Yes. On the other hand, there are insurance companies that are now starting to reward people. For instance, on United Healthcare, if you were a smoker and you show them the steps that you were taking to join a cessation smoke program, they are rewarding you by decreasing your premiums. Or if you show that you are eating food properly and are losing a certain amount of weight 
over a month time if you're overweight. Again, they are rewarding you with a loss, a decrease in premium, and some are even toying with the idea of um, points like you get with credit cards. <laughs> a certain amount of points, and I guess you'll be able to fly someplace for a vacation. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> oh, God. Um, it's... <laughs> I mean, you know, it would be funny if it wasn't so serious. I mean, it's funny in the sense that this is just so hard to believe. It's so uh, futuristic. I mean, not in a good way, but just so... Um, well, it's know. so foreign to what we think of in terms of health care. Right. What they've done is they've taken something that's extremely personal and they've really just put it out there. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, automated it, you know, like... Uh, <laughs> and literally, actually, with, with the digitalization and so on. Um, well, are you, in, in your book, um, do you, so you suggest, well, one of the things that you, that you say is, is really important is that people should not just sit back and do nothing because then uh, you say that they will be buried under the avalanche of red tape and expense, expense about to fall on us. What, what, tell us more about that. Well, the fact of the matter is you need to take a proactive stance. You can't just wait till, till you know, the administration and the red tape just dictates to you how you're going to lead your life. Some people now actually are determined to fly under the radar because while traditional physicians have certain mandates in terms of digitalization and meaningful use, meaning that your computers have to be interactive with not only drugstores but with other physicians and hospitals, but your holistic practitioners and alternative care physicians are not under that same mandate. So what they're choosing to do is to glean the information they want through the computer sites, and they are going to holistic physicians to take care of themselves as a whole and not be computerized at all. Wait, I, I didn't understand that. You're talking about doctors? There are doctors who are holistic practitioners. Yes. The holistic practitioners and alternative care doctors are not mandated to have electronic record systems the way traditional physicians are. So even, but, but are you talking about um, holistic doctors with MDs? Yes. Okay. Well, uh, um, or, or some are just choosing chiropractors. I don't know what your thought is about that because I know that many physicians are at odds with some of the theories that chiropractic have, but I'm just using that as an example. Well, you know, and I should have said early on that both Dr. Barbara Hales and myself um, do not really, this isn't anything, when we're talking about all of this, um, it, it is not related to any personal, um, this is not going to affect, uh, well, <laughs> financially, this is not going to have... And well, we have no hidden agenda. Right, exactly. Um, we're talking about this on a global scale because it's just, it's just if, if, if I'm sure you would agree with this, uh, or I think you would agree with this, that if all of this was in place, 
um, before you, it was time to decide whether or not to go to medical school. If medicine was the way it is, even now, even today, with all of this just on the horizon, I don't think I would have gone to medical school um, because, And that's what's discouraging so many other people from going to medical school, which is why, as you were saying, the shortage of doctors is just going to get worse. And this whole idea, it's not only rationing of care but it's um, as a plan, but it's also because there are going to be fewer doctors to provide this care, even if you could get it. I mean, you know, even if you were entitled, according to the governmental plan, to get it. Well, Carol, I feel blessed to have had the opportunity yes. to practice medicine at a time when physicians were allowed to care about their patients, where they formed bonds and, you know, interactions almost on a friendly basis with their patients. Those days are gone. And unfortunately also, I'm making a prediction that within, you know, within 12 to 15 years, there will be no such thing as private practice. Huh. What you're going to see are a combination of medical homes, a few holdout concierge medical practices, but mainly physicians that are employees of hospitals, large health facilities, and clinics like Kaiser Permanente that you see out in California, um, so that the physician is no longer going to worry about where the next dollar is going to come from. Um, those um, constraints that doctors have in terms of trying to stay afloat financially will just be removed. He'll be on salary, and then he could go in for his shift and do what he loves best, which is, you know, practice medicine. When the shift is over, he'll be going home. Unfortunately for the patient, that means that you will not have allegiance to a particular physician as much as the facility site itself, and you will be going and sitting in a clinic with long lines. Yes, yes. And, of course, it's so important to have the historical context. In other words, you know, doctors who have been seeing the same patients for years and years and years are much much better able to take care of them because they can see minor differences that a new doctor would miss that a new doctor wouldn't um, wouldn't see you know that this is that this person has lost so much more weight than you know when they saw them uh, um, six months ago or five years ago uh, or something like that which is so obvious to someone who has been taking care of the same patient for so many years but all of these subtleties these important subtleties will be lost and you know that doctors for the most part, it's a very different thing when you have your own patients in your own practice and you feel responsible for them as opposed to being salaried in a clinic or in a hospital where, um, you know, where it's, it's like being a waitress <laughs> coming on for shift. Well, not only that, but there is such a thing as the placebo effect. Patients get better with yeah. hands-on treatment. If they go to a healthcare provider who they feel cares about them, who takes the time to look them in the eye and to truly listen to what they have to say, to validate what they are saying, what they're complaining about, what they're suffering from, and give a helpful smile um, and just, you know, be there for them and, you know, have hands-on treatment, um, you know, people get better on their own. Their bodies are miraculous in terms of healing, and what they need is that human touch, 
that, you know, humanistic approach to medical care. Of course, if you're just going to a clinic and you're, you know, doing shift work, that's just not going to exist. Right, absolutely. Um, and it's, it's going to be, you know, meeting someone for the first time all the time or someone who you've seen, you know, um, at random intervals and so on. It isn't the same because you're right. Even just that, that, that communication with someone who, who, you, who you know knows you and cares about you, I mean, that does go a long way um, towards helping someone get better. I, I must say... The bottom line seems to be, one, to get your book, and we'll, we'll talk about how people can get that, and two, um, to really start becoming much more interested in preventive care, in diet and exercise and stress relief and all these things so that you can put off getting sick as long as possible. And then, of course, also what we did the last time, you know, um, and, and elections aren't too far off, um, uh, well, a year, but uh, <laughs> you'll be on before that. We'll have to make a pitch for the next election. But um, certainly, uh, you know, certainly talk, talking to your congressman, calling up your representatives, uh, letting people know how you feel about these issues in health care is a very important part of it as well. People need to speak out. And I know we talked about this and um, how important it is and how disappointing it is that doctors have have... <laughs> have been so apathetic about this or so bought off by I don't know by drug companies by by or 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 the problem of doctors working already for uh, academic institutions or for clinics or or you know things where they're not really in private practice and they are um more willing to accept this because I don't think they quite get it and and that's it's been incredibly disappointing to to um to not have more action going on um, by doctors. Well, at this to point, prevent you know, this. I hate to continue on a negative note. So what I would like to do is share with you one of my favorite quotes from Proverbs, sure. which says, he who, has he-, he who has health has hope, and he who has hope has everything. I like that. I like that. Now let's just tell people where they can get your book. My book, Power to the Patient, Colon, the medical strategist is on Amazon.com, written by Barbara Hales, MD. In it, I tell you the websites to go to where you could get the most accurate information and steps that you can take to promote health and be your own head of your own medical team, where you add physicians and healthcare professionals to help you, but I am enabling you to take responsibility for your own health. And that's obviously really important. And then also, do you want to talk about what their purchase receipt qualifies them for? If a person goes into Amazon.com and gets power to the patient, the medical strategist, all they need to do is to send me a copy of their receipt. Then I will be giving them several gifts. First of all, you will automatically be registered into the Medical Strategist newsletter where you can get up-to-date information every month as to what is going on in the healthcare environment so that you could take appropriate actions for yourself. 
In addition to that, you will be getting a guide on questions to ask your physician before agreeing to surgery and questions to ask your physician before filling that prescription. Also, as a bonus, we're giving you an article on the differences in scope between physicians and nurse practitioners and the benefits of each. And where should they be sending this receipt? What they could do is go to Barbara, B-A-R-B-A-R-A, at themedicalstrategist.com, and your information will be forthcoming. Okay, that sounds great. Let me just say it quickly again, the name of the book, and thank you, Dr. Barbara Hales, for being a great guest again, and so important, all of this. Uh, the book again is called Power to the Patient, the Medical Strategist, and her website where you can send the, where you can look for uh, interesting articles and so on, and to send your receipt to get these gifts is Barbara at themedicalstrategist.com. So thank you all for listening. Thank you, Barbara, for doing this incredible work, which is, uh, not only helps save people's health, but saves their lives. So thank you again, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 